0: MSU, everyone. I am the Chancellor Pastor Marcus Zill. Warning: the show might trigger you. You don't love the gospel, Call it. Ah. Right. Hey, who let the campus pastor loose in the studio again? Zilly Zilly. We are in the student union today with one of my colleagues in the Office of National Mission, Reverend Heath Curtis, serves as the coordinator for stewardship with the Office of National Mission. His primary vocation is in the parish, however, in Southern Illinois, dual parish on the other side of the river from St. Louis, as we say. Where is it that you serve, Heath?
1: I serve at Trinity in Warden, Illinois, and Zion and Carpenter, Illinois, I've been here Almost 15 years. I've been working with the Senate about seven years doing this work in stewardship, and I'm very blessed to be doing both.
0: I'm thinking that was your first call? Was Nearly. First? I,
1: call it, I call it my first real call. So right, right out of the seminary, I went and did some grad work in Chicagoland and served part-time in an associate pastor position. Okay. Uh, sometimes I lovingly refer to that as my second vicarage. Uh, wonderful time up there great people great supervisor okay. and when uh, when uh, full time grad work full part time ministry full time family got to be uh, a bit uh, received sure. this call down to southern Illinois and it's been great ever since
0: well excellent as I always say better to have uh, two calls than, uh, than two wives so
1: <laughs> this is absolutely true absolutely true They'll so kick you out for that
0: yes yes no so um Certainly, you know stewardship has always been something really close to my heart. Um, you and I have talked about this before. I'm sure. You know, my my father had a position um, as a director or whatever the equivalent was back in the back in the day in the late '70s, early '80s as the stewardship counselor. I think they called them counselor uh, back in the day uh, for the synod. So I grew up in a stewardship home. And you've been doing a lot of great stuff. I know it's a little different in the COVID-19 world that we're in, but kind of give us a little thumbnail about what kind of things that you and um, your uh, partner. Uh, Nathan, do in this regard in terms of stewardship for the synod?
1: Yeah, yeah. So, so the assistant coordinator for stewardship is Nathan Metter. He's up in uh, in the Sheboygan, Wisconsin area again, serving at a parish. And so, both of us are in the parish, and that that was by design how how our positions came together. The idea is, you know, two guys grounded in parish ministry who are, you know, we have to practice what we preach. We actually live this stewardship stuff. Uh, a lot of a lot of uh, you know pastors are very nervous talking about finances, talking about money, talking about what the Bible says about these things, and so we help pastors and lay leaders understand what the Scriptures teach in this regard and to teach it in a joyful way that's focused on the gospel. You know, Saint Paul is is definitely not shy and in drawing the financial aspect of the church's ministry drawing that from and into and around the gospel you know he's the one who says remember that jesus christ for your sakes who is rich became poor uh... so that you who are poor for his sakes could become rich right. you imitate him in generosity and in kindness and and so uh, you know this is what we help pastors do and you mentioned you know the current crisis that we're undergoing we're certainly finding that congregations who have done the hard work of teaching their people uh, about stewardship, about generosity, about imitating God and His giving nature, are actually doing very well through this crisis. So if folks want to learn more, if, you know, uh, your your listeners who are college students, I hope that they are involved in a local parish where they're going to school, and maybe they're uh, still involved in their home parish. Um, I, I hope they're involved, and they're parish leaders, too. If uh, pastors and parish leaders want to learn more, just go to lcms.org stewardship. You'll find all our resources, something that every congregation needs to be plugged into, and, and Nathan and I are eager to help.
0: Well, lots of great stuff, and appreciate what you're doing. I think it's great you're grounded in congregations yourselves and uh, can't commend uh, those resources enough. And, you know, stewardship is something that we don't think about uh, teaching college students. Uh, You know, we usually think, well, they're just college students, they're off, they're kind of uh, in a transition, they'll worry about this kind of stuff later. And, of course, we're usually thinking finances and offerings and giving. Yeah, sure, right. But in reality, uh, I'll never forget the the first time I my campus my former campus semester in Laramie, Wyoming uh, did a, a stewardship study similar to some of the things that you've done. But it was long before yeah. uh, your excellent stuff was out there to utilize. Did a little uh, semester study on stewardship, and I actually gave them offering envelopes. And I had one one gal nearly cry. She's like, I never thought that somebody would actually give me one of these before. <laughs> she thought it was. She's like, I'm adulting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly, exactly and it just yeah, kind of yeah. goes to show you that uh, this is more than just just giving i thought hey let's have uh, heath curtis on the radio and you said hey let's talk about the good samaritan and yeah. uh, so we're going to talk about the good samaritan a little bit kind of walk through the text, uh uh kind of briefly but a little bit and then kind of talk us some things that we can learn about stewardship and maybe vocation uh from this uh for our college students and our other listeners so how about we dive right in? I'm going to read a section, and maybe you can provide some uh, commentary along the way. Does that sound all right? You bet. Sounds good. All right. If you're following along, uh, hopefully not while you're driving. That would not be cool. Um, but uh, Luke 10, beginning at verse, verse 25, And behold, a lawyer—you always know it's going to be good when a lawyer's involved. <laughs> a lawyer stood up to put him, Jesus, to the test, saying— Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What's written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he, meaning Jesus, said to him, You've answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, then said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? So tee this up for us here. What's going on?
1: Yeah, so, well, probably at least two layers of something is going on. You know, first off, he, you've got this guy who, um, he comes to Jesus with a law question, and so he gets a law
0: answer. That's the way what Jesus rules. I do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, and you think about
1: the question itself is nonsensical what can I do to inherit eternal life, right? So, so it'll be like me asking you, Marcus Zill, what can you do, Marcus, to inherit the throne of England? Well, nothing. Nope. You, you are not a child of Queen Elizabeth II. You know, inheritance And you would know because
0: you're, 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 you're a Britishman. You're you're British? Yeah, right? I really
1: am. I'm a real American, as, as you've probably heard me say. <laughs> the the, the Curtises have been in America since 1636,
0: staring so, no, out I... the
1: Indians for you crowd to come 200 years later. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You've heard that speech. Obviously.
0: Yes, if you ever want to get uh, Heath going, that's the way to do it. But no, you uh, can't obviously. inherit it. I got no claim to this crown. I got no. There's right. nothing I can do.
1: And so he should already know that his question is, is off, right? What can I do to inherit? Something's off there. So one layer that's going on in this text is Jesus is poking this guy to try to, to, try to get him to realize he has set himself up for failure. Mm. He's trying to do something that can't be done. And so he, right, he leads him along gently, all right, well, you tell me. What, what does it say in the law? You ask a law question, what can I do? Mm-hmm. I'll give okay, I'll give you a law answer. What does it say? And he gives an absolutely perfect answer. He gives the right answer. He's good love the Lord your God with everything that you are and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus is like, Yep. Do that and you'll live. Now if I said that to you, Hey Marcus, just keep the whole law and you'll go to heaven. What would your response
0: be? I'd be, dude, I'm screwed.
1: <laughs> exactly, right. But but this guy he's not quite there yet, right? Sure. He's not quite ready to admit that. So he's got, you know, he's got one more, you know, you made a lawyer joke at the beginning. He's got one more, you know, looking for a loophole. Right? right? So he's like, "Okay, well, who's my neighbor then?" Okay. Cuz obviously he's he must have a bit of a, a of a sour conscience. You know, he thinks, well, I think I'm not worshiping any other gods. I'm not worshiping Zeus. I'm not worshiping Thor. I think I got that licked.
0: You got the first part down, he thinks. I
1: got the first part. But what's this? Is there some loophole in this neighbor business?
0: Yeah. And so Jesus replies, and he says, well, man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. The next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him. Whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. So what's the point of the parable? here? Well, I'll just go ahead and finish it here when Jesus then, and this is his point at the end. So, hey, smart guy, (laughs) which of these three, Jesus didn't say smart guy, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And the lawyer said, "The one who showed him mercy." And Jesus says, "Go and do likewise."
1: All right. So, so, so here's the thing about this parable. I think I think this is a classic case of people getting the wrong idea. It's fascinating to me how there are certain Bible passages where people get the exact wrong idea out of it, and they always do it in a in a positive way. They always they always take a true thing. Mm-hmm. And they kind of map that onto a certain passage of the Bible that 's actually trying to make a different point, so I think if you asked a lot of people, you know you just told them um, you know my my grandma back in the day on her camper was a member of the good sam's club right you 've seen those stickers oh, yeah. on the back of the camper right all right and it 's just a nice community organization, and it 's you know be, be nice to people because if you ask you know average christian off the street or in bible class this sunday and you just said what's the point of the good samaritan who is my neighbor i I bet you dollars of donuts more than half of the people are going to say the point of the good samaritan who is my neighbor everybody's my neighbor i should love everybody i should be nice to everybody when actually that's not that's not the point that jesus is making Uh, the point that Jesus is making is much stronger and really and is, and if we understand it is something that gives direction to our life Hmm. and this is important for for people all throughout their life Um, whether you are living at home whether you're in college whether you're you know off adulting like we talked about earlier this is a key concept neighborliness and this is going to lead us to talk about the doctrine of vocation because here's the deal this parable, and it'll be easier if we understand the word "neighbor" in English, what it actually means. Um, the, the word "neighbor" is two words, right? "Nigh" and bore. "Bor" means farmer in Old English, and and you can in the word "nigh" you can hear right uh, "near." Right. Right? Draw nigh and take the body sure. of the Lord. If, if people remember that hymn, and so it, so neighbor means. The farmer who lives next to you, the guy you share a fence line with, the person you have to interact with, the person who's near to you, and it's interesting, that's the same meaning of the word in Greek, in the Greek New Testament, neighbor means near, it's the same in Latin, the Latin word is proximus, so like approximate, right, close to the answer, well, your proximus is the person who lives close to you. And so the point of the parable is, when God puts this man, who, who he's been robbed, he's been beaten, he's been left half-dead, and then God, in his providence, brings that guy near to the priest and the Levite. They're walking on the road, and they see him. What do they do? They unneighbor him. They cross the street they walk away they say i don't want to god has put this guy in my path i don't don't like
0: the neighbor that you've given me god
1: and that's exactly the thing and instead they might say what well i want to go serve everybody's my neighbor i'm going to go serve somebody else i could no 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 your neighbor is the person that god has put in your path whether you like it or not um you know gk chesterton uh you know, a, a great book for for uh, especially. I mean, we're on Corona Chan vacation. All your oh, yeah. all your college student listeners or their classes are gonna be wrapping up early. They're gonna be looking for something to do this uh, summer. Uh, a great book for for anybody to read, but especially college students who are thinking about their future life. Uh, a Collection of G.K. Chesterton essays. Um, Ignatius Press put it puts it out, and it's called Brave New Family. Yep and it's a fascinating book written a hundred years ago, but written at the beginning kind of of the the communist social justice warrior uh, revolution in Western society, that really aims at the, the devaluation of the family, and it's a fascinating book, and he's got this great example. He talks about how young people very often they're growing up in their small town or if they live even if they live in a big city they go to this you know parochial little Lutheran church and they've got this family that's religious and their small ideas and their small minds and they're told what you want to do is go off to the big university expand your mind meet new people the prob- your problem is your world is too small in, amongst your neighbors, you need to go live in a big place and live big thoughts. And he points out, and this is this is one of those things that w- once you read it, you you cannot unthink this thought. Hmm. And he says, actually, they've got it exactly backwards. Their problem because when you go off to school, when you go off and find this bigger world, what are you actually looking for? What are you actually finding? Oh, I finally went to school, and I found people who think just like I do. Now I don't have to put up with my dad and my mom, my brother and my sister, my pastor, my Sunday school teacher, the the guy who lives down the road from me. I don't agree with them. I wanna find a bunch of people I agree with. These are my people, this is my tribe, these are my real family. Mm. And, And Chesterton points out, what you've actually done is made your world smaller. So you go off to a big place to find people who think just like you. Whereas if you live in a small town or even in a family, you're confronted with people. You have to live in your family, even if they don't think like you. Right. Even if they bring a perspective that you're, uh, and, and so this. So at any rate, uh, to, to bring it back to the parable, Jesus is saying the. The neighbor is the guy that God puts near to you. And the Samaritan accepts this neighbor. And he says, okay, this is the guy that that God put in my path. Even though I'm a Samaritan and he's not, this is the guy God put in my path. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to go and help him. And so, you know, especially in this time when all of us have been thrust in, you know, out of our comfort zone, into, you know, away from maybe the neighbors that we would choose, right? And so if, if I like being at the office, you know, a little away time from my family, well, now I'm with my family a lot more. And it's a good reminder to me that my nearest neighbor, my wife, my kids, um, you know, our college students who have been, you know, ripped away from their friends, the neighbors that they would choose, they're back with their family now. This gives us really something to think about, and, and Luther builds on this a whole doctrine of vocation, and we could even call that the doctrine of nearness, or the doctrine of neighborliness. So God's given me, a, you know, he's given me a vocation, a calling, neighbors in my home, in my church, and in society at large. And, and the closer, and you could think of that as concentric circles. Sure. And the closer those people are to me, the more responsibility I have toward them, the more opportunity I have to do good with them, the more opportunity I have to serve them. But then also, the more opportunity they have to annoy me, right, the, the more opportunity I have to step on their toes, and, hey, and, um, I mean, man, it, it's interesting. We spend a lot of our time, um, I, I wonder, like this lawyer, trying to find excuses not to serve our neighbor. And instead, what we like to do is
0: choose our neighbors. Well, you know, we used to always say, well, you don't get to choose your family. But we, you don't really get to choose your neighbor either, that your neighbor is like your family. They, they are who they are. It's but exactly we've kind of right. we've kind of abandoned post by searching out new neighbors at the expense of the ones that God's already put in our way.
1: And again, that that uh, you know replacing a real life interaction with interaction online is is another example of this. Oh, yeah. i I can go out and choose, okay, these are the people I agree with. These are the people I like to hear from. and if i want if I feel like if I'm feeling plucky, I want an argument. I can jump on, you know, a, a different Reddit board and, and argue you with them. Did you just say plucky? You know? <laughs> I just say plucky.
0: You <laughs> haven't heard that yeah. word? No, that's that's no. got to be an Englishman's word right there. Well, you plucky. told me I couldn't cut, so I, <laughs> I
1: had to choose. <laughs> it yeah. makes
0: me think of Thomas the Tank Engine. Uh, yeah. Cheeky, he, he plucky. Is a plucky. lad.
1: <laughs> He's a plucky lad. I told you I was a real American. We still speak with the English. uh. No. Oh. A big, a big part of our life is realizing that not only do you not get to pick your family you really don't i mean i mean and for christians we should view this as it's actually god who's putting these neighbors hmm. in my life so um i'm currently finding out in uh, in our current uh you know lockdown phase
0: sure
1: that even though my my teenagers who have never watched the office so now we're watching the american version of the office there with the go. kids and evening. which i will also give another plug we're watching it with vid angel i don't know if your listeners know about vid angel but uh, i don't own stock in the company but they will filter out bad things in movies and tv shows cuss words mm. naked people and so forth i'm a big fan of these things
0: is, we'll like a, is, that like a, is that like a streaming Netflix okay, exactly. kind filter of streaming? Out. So thing? I'm
1: watching The Office through Netflix, but oh. I've got it filtered through VidAngel, so my kids they don't have to hear the cuss words, they don't have to see Jan Levinson Gould's uh, you know picture on the beach with Michael Scott, etc. Gotcha. and so forth. So I'm finding out that my kids, even though my teenagers have never seen the show, they know all the characters from memes online, right? <laughs> and, so, and so this is this is fascinating to me, and, and and it just demonstrates it was another demonstration to me that people are online making their own communities, and it gets back to this criticism that G.K. Chesterton brings against all of us is that we love to pick our neighbors mm. we love to pick our tribe we love to make ourselves comfortable we love to isolate and insulate ourselves so that we don't actually have to interact with people who might challenge us or or provide us an opportunity to serve them and it, but as we get out into a world where we actually have to go to work or go to class or and again, mostly deal with our own family members and the people that we live nearest to, people we go to the grocery store with, people I meet in the post office, that's real life. Mm-hmm. and God is challenging you to serve those people who are closest to you, the people that God puts in your path. and so you know, another half an hour we we can get together and
0: talk about we'll, what we'll this have might you need. on down the line and maybe yeah pick exactly up some more things.
1: For, for, but you can see where my role in stewardship where this where this leads because we you know you see in this you know in this parable the samaritan is challenged are you ready to serve your neighbor even if that means it might be a sacrifice for you financially even if it means it might be a sacrifice that, you know he had his day planned he was going somewhere sure. and, and he, now he comes to, you know god has put this guy in his path and uh, he's been challenged to, are you gonna serve this guy? Are you willing to give monetarily to serve this guy? Are you gonna take the time out of your day to stop and serve him? You know, God upends our plans with the people he brings into our lives, with the people he draws near to us. And that's actually what it means to be a neighbor. That's what the parable of the Good Samaritan about, is about. So it's not so much everybody is my neighbor, but it is everybody that the Lord brings near me. I need to be ready to serve because that's the neighbor that God has chosen for me.
0: Wow, I'd love to talk more about this, but we're already out of time.
1: <laughs> I know we are. I used to look, work in radio when we started this. I stopped. <laughs> stop. I started my stopwatch. I knew. I know exactly what I had.
0: No. Well, hey. Pastor Curtis, he, thank you for uh, being with us. And uh, we'll have you on, everyone. We'll have you on down the line here, and maybe we'll uh, pick up some other themes along this line. But thank you for putting this uh, this uh, story, of the parable of the Good Samaritan, and teaching us uh, the vocational value of just who our neighbor is. Thank you so much. Have a great one. Hey, you too. That's all we have time for here today in the Student Union. Check out the archives of this program at kfu.org. Learn more about LCMSU at lcmsu.org. And remember, college is tough. You need Jesus, we'll help.